Hi everybody, Luzanne, and welcome to the bonus episode of Major Crush. In episode five, Meredith and I visited the DeVero Winery in the Dry Creek AVA of Sonoma County. Oh, it was a terrific experience. You know, our time with Ridgely Evers and his team gave us so much to talk about that we definitely needed a couple of extra episodes just to cover them all. But I wanted to do this introduction to this bonus podcast. As you may have noticed, we entitled it, Meet the Farmer Who Invented QuickBooks. Can you believe it? That's because before he moved up to Sonoma County to start his winery, he was a tech guy who created one of the most famous accounting technologies of our day. So, you know, when a guy like that takes time to tell you about his passion for biodynamic farming and wine, you know you're going to learn a lot. But, you know, before we jump into our time with Ridgely, I want to take a minute and just talk about these things that I'm observing up here at Devera and Ridgely. Uh, you know, I have a business background also, and listening to Ridge and his philosophy of trying to create the best possible fit. I think back on my career, you know, I had to start a blue jean company in the 70s because I couldn't find jeans to fit. I had to get involved with a, a great designer, Calvin Klein, uh, after that because I wanted to wear designer clothes and they wouldn't fit. Then I designed uh, home-based businesses in fields like security and, and technology uh, because what was happening wasn't fitting us. Uh, in, the, in the 90s, believe it or not, if you ran into a friend and you said, I left you a voicemail, why didn't you call me back? You had to ask, where did you leave the voicemail? On my mobile phone, on my office phone, on my house phone? I said, this is crazy. Let's create a one phone number solution for all of our voicemails and fax mails and everything, and we created Entouch, and it was a dynamic success. And when I saw speech, how well that was going to fit with the new telecommuting and how people were on the move with their businesses, it worked out great with Ghost Solutions. Observing Ridge, when he looked at the latitude and the weather patterns that came through the whole area of Sonoma there, he said, man, the best wines that are going to fit this region are going to be the Italian varietals. And holy cow, did he make incredible Italian varietals. And then when he saw what was going on with our, our climate and our, and our, our globe, he committed to a biodynamic farming system, which is gonna just light you guys up when you really understand and learn and taste wines that are made with biodynamic farming. Again, that's what's so cool about the wine industry. Everybody's got a background, but there's just so much room for all kinds of people and the things that draw us together are the conversations and the passion that you can find whenever you open up a good bottle of beautifully made wine 
with people who are excited to experience it. So now I'd like to just turn it over to Ridge as Meredith and I jump into his classic Toyota Land Cruiser and he gives us a, a ride through his beautiful property up here. And I hope you enjoy the ride as much as we did. Ridgely Evers. Hi, Hi Ridgely. Nice to meet nice you. Nice to meet you. Thanks for, this is awesome. We're so excited to be here today. And now we're getting ready to go out on a So you're going to get, yeah, I mean, this, this is probably not going to be very recording friendly, but it's the, you, you need the backstory to understand this place in full, which from listening to you guys talk, you will love. And, and it starts with the fact that I had absolutely no intention of being in the wine business. <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. But, 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 you know, the Grateful Dead nailed it. What a long, strange trip it's been. <laughs> so I've been writing software for 52 years. No way, you're a software geek. I'm the guy who created QuickBooks. Oh, cool. I'm the, uh, so don't confuse that with wealth, but I'm proud of the achievement. I'm, I'm a farmer. Farmer won the lottery. He said, what are you going to do with all that money? He said, oh, farm till it runs out. Yeah. <laughs> farm until it runs That's out. Awesome. But uh, in 1982, I'd actually just graduated from Stanford Business School, and my then-wife and I were living in San Francisco. We'd started to have kids, and we didn't want to leave the city, but we wanted the kids. We didn't want to go to the suburbs, but we wanted the kids to understand what outdoors is like. Uh, right. And so we spent a year looking for property. And as we made the turn that we just made, uh -huh. and we got back to right about... Right about here. Uh -huh. I turned to her and I said, this is the one. You knew really? right away. I knew right instantly. What that's how Sonia and I were in Sonoma. It's this. We're not even on the property yet. And yeah, that's what I'm saying. You didn't even. You're just still on a long. We're on an easement. Way. We're on an easement. Right. Yeah, we didn't know where we were going to live, yeah. but we just looked at each other and pointed to the ground so and said, I, "I kissed every toad within a 60 mile air radius of San Francisco in the process of finding this." And uh, the the real estate agent said, "Oh, you wouldn't like it." So Famous last words, right? the, the, the through line on all of this is I have been the incredibly fortunate recipient of a lot of good serendipity. And I am a super left brain guy living in, a, in what I've now recognized fully to be a right brain world. Really? Yeah. That's such an interesting discovery. And um, so what's happened over the years is, you know, the old saw about who you're going to believe, you know, me or your lion eyes. So my, I, my, my right brain kept bringing me stuff. And my left brain has learned finally to, to sort of take it, okay, I believe you, but why? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And so what you're going to get today is kind of both the what and the why. So my origin story wine, which you will see the dead soldier of when we go to sit down. In the 70s, when I was in my 20s, I had the amazing fortune to taste a lot of the great Bordeaux. You did how? Oh, yeah. 
I was I, I just had gotten to know a because guy because of the dot com. No, no, no. This, this, when, this is the seventies. Seventies. Oh, like the eighteen seventies. Um, the um, had the crust of the earth started to cool by a then? little bit, a little okay. bit. So that was back when I was <laughs> working sure. with horse-drawn computers and stuff. Um, and then the steam-powered ones came along, and that was great. Oh yeah, um, but great uh, invention. So I, you know, I, it was just a guy who was working in a wine shop down in um, on the the boundary between Menlo Park and Atherton called Beltramos. Mm. A guy named Joel Butler, and he was a phenomenal palate, and he kind of took me under his wing. And then I sort of branched out a little bit, and to make a very long story short, in 1979, I had the 1961 Petrus. I know exactly. Mine was a 71 uh, that I that changed my life. Yep, exactly. And, this, and the 61 Petrus is arguably the greatest Bordeaux of the 20th century. Probably, right? for sure. And I tasted it, and I went, oh my God, this is what the fuss is about. Okay. Crazy. So that's the background. And you'll see a bunch of dead soldiers in what we call the boardroom. So we're, coming, we're pulling onto the farm, and you will notice up above and on our left here, there are a lot of olive trees. A lot of yes, olive trees. And that's because when, after coming up here every weekend for a couple of years, I realized that I'd stopped coming up here for the weekend, and I'd started going to San Francisco for the week, that this okay. had become home. A little while later, the software guy says, gee, we should grow something. How hard could that be? <laughs> and I had spent a lot of time in Italy with my now ex-wife. Um, and I said, okay, every place there are... And I didn't want to plant grapes. And the reason I didn't want to plant grapes is I knew what those varieties taste like. Yeah. Oh, right? right? And I actually started helping to make wine in Napa in 78 and stopped. You and did? Said, yeah. Really? I said, you know, this doesn't taste anything like Cabernet. Like nothing like Cabernet. It bears no resemblance. You would not recognize this as Cabernet. Yeah, right? I, see. I know what you mean. And so I said, why, you know, I, and that's fine, you know, good for them. Um, but the, uh, you know, why would I grow something that I don't like when I could just buy what I like? Um, anyway, so I said, well, you know, what else could I do? And I realized that there were olive trees every place that I saw vines in Italy. Well, I could make olive oil. How hard could that be? Yeah. yeah we did that. Right? Yeah, that's and, not for the faint of heart. Well, I brought the first olive trees into the U.S. in the 20th century. You did? I did. How um, did you do that? The, uh, I took cuttings from an 800. I reverse engineered an oil, says the software guy. Wait. Um, I went over there and I looked around for a climate similar to here and I settled on Luca. This is an oh, old Gravenstein wow. that has not changed how it looks in 30 years, 37 years. Really? I have a Gravenstein and it's look, it just starting look. to turn red, some of the apples. But I mean, I'm talking about the trunk. Yeah, the trunk, that trunk is great. It's not or aged, it's just stayed exactly, exactly the like same. that. Really? Um, so but anyway, I... olive trees, how many olive trees do you have here? Um, about four and a half thousand on this farm. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, so I found, I went over, I looked around for a climate, I, you know, something that was similar, and the area around Luca actually even smells like here. And, I've heard that. I've and heard so that. I, I, uh, I started tasting oils, and one just bit me. And I followed that oil back to the farm where it was made. And the farm has been in the same family since the 1400s. That family wow. is, the, is the Lucchese equivalent of the Medici's in Florence. <laughs> oh, wow. But when they bought the land 600 years ago, the olive grove was already 200 years old. Oh, so it's an 800-year-old wow. olive grove. They let me take cuttings from their trees. 
and that's what I brought over, and it's a it's a, a blend, okay. a field blend, okay. as every great oil is, mm-hmm. um, and uh, much to be learned from that. And I'm, um, you know, we I had to go through all kinds of hoops to get them here, but they're here, right. and I'm, um, and we started making oil in '94, and we within a couple of years we started winning all kinds of awards, and our oil has pretty much literally won every top award in the world. So anyway, I brought these olive trees in, they did super well, um, and just kept planting them. And then I finally realized, well, I've actually, so in January of 1999, the phone rang on a Sunday morning, and a lot of our oil was going to Top Chefs back then, because we were still sort of building out our own customer base and stuff. And uh, it was Mario Batali, who's an old friend of Colleen's. Colleen was one of the original chefs at Stars in San Francisco. Who's Colleen? My wife. Oh, cool. My permanent wife. <laughs> um, the, um, and the single best human being I know. Um, and uh, anyway, it was Mario saying, hey, dude, you won't believe what happened last night. He had convinced the Gambaroso in Italy to come to New York and hold the tasting for the final, the, the finals for the oil of the year for the 98 harvest. And when they got there, he said, hey, there's an oil that I like from Western Tuscany. You know, it's a blind tasting. Let me just put it in. Let's see how it does. And they said, fine. And it won. And that was ours. Western, I mean, Western Tuscany, and, right? And he, we, were, we, we were the winner until he said, well, when I said the Western part of Tuscany, I'm at the really Western Real part West. of California. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they said, we'll have that back. So in May of 99, second fork coming up, in May of 99, I was in New York. I was running a network security company at the time. Mario and I were having dinner at the corner of the bar at Pavo. And we were having grilled lamb. And I spotted a bottle with a handwritten label. And I said, that's interesting. What's that? He said, oh, you got to try this. I opened it. They decanted it. He poured me a glass. I smelled it. I tasted it. I smelled it. I tasted it. I turned to him, I said, I'm going to plant this grape and make this wine. That glass is why I'm in the wine business. No way. Okay, that so was that was 1994 Paolo Bea Sagrantino di Montefalco. Oh, which so I had never even heard of, much less had. Oh. Yeah. And I was just smitten. So I describe it as I went into the bar, I met her, I fell in love, I brought her home, and we now have 16 children. It's like a major crush. That's, a, that's, amazing. Yeah. that's, yeah. Be, that's yeah. an everlasting crush. Yeah. Everlasting I mean, it crush. Was, it literally, Sagrantino. Sagrantino. And you're going to have to tell it, us more about that well, you're going to taste it. You're going to taste it. All of that was still, like when people said, when I said, oh, I'm going to put in a vineyard, they say, but you don't like wine here. And I said, well, I, I have to do this. Okay. You were just going to do olive oil. I, I was doing olive oil. I had four and a half thousand trees. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I'm losing my shirt, but hey, it's farming. I know. Right? Olive oil is brutal. Oh. We have 32 it's... trees. So I, I spoke at my, so you're really in trouble. I, I spoke at my 35th reunion at Stanford Business School last fall. And I said, if you guys saw the numbers for the olive oil business, you would revoke my degree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's. That is so true, though. You know, so, I, gotta, oh. I know, I know, decent amount about wine. I don't know much about the olive oil. Try business. and keep it that way. Thanks for listening to this special bonus episode of Major Crush. 
If you haven't already listened to episode 5 featuring Meredith and Lou's full-length interview with Ridgely Evers of Devera Winery, be sure and check it out wherever you access the Major Crush series. There's also another bonus episode tied to the Devera Winery podcast where Meredith offers up a few of her thoughts before Ridgely Evers tells us all about his Italian varietals and how they truly express a sense of place found right here in the California wine country. 